Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here on this one, and I wanted to jump in here really quick and talk about this episode. So we do a this live at the Champion Summit in Cincinnati, Ohio. Man, these are a lot of fun to do. But you need to know at the very beginning, the audio is not the greatest. Right around the seven, seven and a half minute mark, the audio kicks in, the engineers get it right, and it sounds really good. There's also some delays in here where we're waiting for the audience member to get a microphone to ask us questions so you guys can hear it as well. So, but these are our, some of our favorite episodes because we get real questions from the crowd uh, talking about their business and the things they need help with. So, hope you enjoy this one, guys. I uh, would love to get your feedback and takeaways. Send me a, a message on social media or, you know, tag me on somewhere and ask questions or anything on these episodes. Love you, made it. See you soon. Um, 
Some of you, for the don't know me, spent 20 years in the straight commission sales category. Um, sold hundreds of millions of dollars uh, in business, been running the company now for five and a half years. Kevin's got, shoot, how many years in sales now? Uh, almost 25. So, um, we just got a hell of a background when it comes from everything sales, operations, mindset, marketing. So we're going to open it up for you guys to ask questions. Raise your hand. I think Warren's going to come around with a microphone. Um, there we go. So, who you are, you guys got the roll. Fire away, Hannah. All right. I'm Hannah Chapman. I'm the founder of X Squared Wealth Planning and Expansive CEO. And the question that I wanted you guys to talk about and open up about a little bit is, what were some of the money stories that you experienced in starting you know, Success Champion Networking? What money mindset stuff did you have to overcome in order to? I knew you were going to ask that. Love that question. So how many here grew up with parents who were entrepreneurs? Yeah, no. I grew up, my dad was a truck driver. Mom worked at Lee Blue Jean Factory. My dad retired from Xerox as a technician. Mom retired as a receptionist for an eye doctor. Dude, we grew up dirt poor broke, right? Uh, we were on the meal plans for school and the whole nine yards. So money in our household was just not anything you talked about, right? And, and if you talked about money, it was always, ooh, would you pay for that? We wanted to see if anybody else actually had money or were they as broke as us, you know? So flash forward through most of my sales career, money was a tough thing to freaking talk about because I wasn't raised around it. And now that I'm a sales guy, you know, you're raised as a kid, don't talk about money and don't talk to strangers. Now I gotta go talk to strangers and talk about money, you know? So it was, it was really, really hard to flip the script to realize that if I don't sell people, I'm actually being freaking selfish. Because the products and services I've sold over the years do damn good things. And if I can't get it in their hands, then I'm being selfish because I have something that can truly help them and I'm not putting myself in enough position to make it happen. I, I think one of the big things uh, with money for entrepreneurs, especially if you didn't come from that background where you were, your parents were in business. I grew up on a farm in South Dakota uh, and until maybe a couple years ago, I didn't really understand, oh, that's actually a business. Uh, and it's, I was just, yeah, my parents are farmers, but they actually were a business and that's what they did. So we didn't talk about money either, but I saw my parents doing the books and doing all that type of stuff, taxes, meeting with the bankers, and doing all that types of stuff. But then when you get into business, if you haven't been in those types of uh, conversations a lot, the whole concept of talking about big dollar amounts is really foreign to people. And I, we met with a vendor the other day who we were talking about a $350,000 uh, program, and I've never talked about a $350,000 thing that I wanted to spend money on. You know, I've been trying to sell people, you know, $350,000 worth of stuff, but the concept of us spending $350,000 on something was like, oh my God, what have I done? Uh, and it, it, so it's it's that type of stuff that gets stuck in your head that makes it really hard to think, oh, you know, I can charge $50,000 a month for my service. I can charge this. You know, I'm worth that type of money because you've never grown up talking about value and money that way. So if you want to be a business owner and you want to be successful, you have to get comfortable talking about money and really figuring out you know, what is my worth? What is my time worth to my clients? What is, you know, if I charge them this, you know, what are their results going to be? Why should they want to pay me that? Awesome. Who's next? One in the back, one here. Thanks. Uh, Brent Hale, CEO of Maverick App. Um, as a new business uh, and a growing business, what were the biggest hurdles that you faced in terms of developing new business and getting new sales in the door? And how did you overcome that? Yeah, uh, starting out, I, I can tell you I tried to be everything to everyone. Um, I had the save the world complex. And I thought uh, my years of sales and knowledge was valuable for everyone, which I still think there's some truth to that. But finally figuring out a niche and going deep on one singular niche. You know, everybody talks about niching down from the perspective of, of, 
of how you market. I think the power of niching down is helping you figure out how you actually build your business. Because if you can pick one industry that you're going to sell to with one service to that industry and you figure that out, you can take that knowledge with you to every other industry down the road. And I love telling everybody, Amazon started as a bookstore. Then they went into toys and they got it right with books, then they got it right with toys, and they just kept moving into more divisions. When you start out, man, if you're trying to sell everything to everyone, you're gonna lose, and it's gonna take you a very long time to actually figure out how to build that business. So for me, when I, uh, I actually launched Time on Target back in 2010, uh, and that's my company outside of Success Champions. Uh, and when I got back from a deployment, I did a huge pivot with my business, where instead of me doing public speaking and, and training in companies, I was now actually consulting and going and helping them do stuff. Uh, and I was really excited, and I did all the things that I thought a CEO was supposed to do. So I made a website, I designed marketing stuff, uh, I did all, logo. Business cards. Business cards, yeah. I, you know, I did all this cool things. You know, I, I uh, worked on p pricing plans and, and strategic Wait, plans. you just said that's the cool things. Yeah, that's what, the, you know, isn't that what you're supposed to do as a CEO? <laughs> but but the, my big issue was, you know, I was busy and I was doing all these things. I was able to show, yeah, we just launched the website, we just did this. I wasn't doing the thing I actually needed to do to grow my company and, and be successful, and that was going out and selling. So that is really, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, that's the, your first task when you have a business, or even you just have the business idea, is to go out and sell and, and prove that what you are doing, there is actually a market for before you go do all the other stuff. Because that helps you then fix your messaging if you're, all right, so here's what I got to say. When I get in front of this this prospect, I say these things because they nod yes, and they understand what I'm saying. We all have that when we sell. There's that one phrase you use that when you say it, the client just gets it. They're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I need. But if you're not having those conversations, you're not figuring that out. So that is the number one thing you have to do as a business owner is go out and start selling and get into conversations and then come back and say, all right, sweet, I got clients. I have revenue. I actually probably should have a website now so I can get more. Oh, I probably should do this. Now I can get more off of this way, off of this thing. So just yeah. go sell. Go sell. Go sell. Yeah. Would help if I turned it on. Deanna Russo, uh, founder and owner of Leverage Up. And my question is, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to business owners or people in business about marketing and how to market the right way, what would it be? Yeah, and I'll talk about this a lot later on. Um, build a personal brand. Screw everything else you think you need to do marketing-wise and build a personal brand. If nobody's bringing your name up and talking about you in the right circumstances, then stories are being told, just not the right stories. So think about it. You know, there's somebody like Tony Robbins. Who here knows what Tony's business is? What's his business? Yell it out. What is it? See, everybody always says that. Motivational speaker. Watch this. Tony has 101 companies to the tune of $7 billion. Tony has one job, and that's to be the face of his damn company. Right? All of those conferences, walking on coal crap and, you know, the what, online things he does, that's all to fill his 101 companies. I'm sure deep down somewhere he gives a crap about helping people out. At the end of the day, he's a decent businessman just looking at it from a strictly financial standpoint. He's built an empire that people don't even know about. Right. So if you think about it from a marketing perspective, go build your personal brand. And I'll talk a lot later about how to actually do that. But uh, it's an absolute game changer. Yeah, I second everything he says. Uh, but I want to add in there it, when you actually do start marketing and you're going to be putting out websites or uh, lead magnets or email or anything like that. Don't talk about you. Right? That was what everyone does. We've all, we, our inboxes are all probably filling up right now with really bad marketing email. And it's always a, hey, we can do this stuff for you. 
when you market, you need to be solving a problem for your prospect. They need to read that and say, that's the life I want after I work with Deanna. They need to be able to picture themselves in a better place. So when you're doing marketing, if you're always talking about, yeah, we have these features and we have these bells and whistles and we can do this and we've been around since 1884, I don't care. I want to know what you can do for me now and how working with you is going to make my life better, how I can maybe go to bed an hour earlier or I can go to bed and not be thinking about all my business stuff and I can turn my mind off and sleep. Right? So your marketing has to address that. It has to all be about how you help them. Hey, fellow entrepreneurs, Donnie Bovine here with some exciting news. Get ready for the Badass Business Summit. It's a game-changing event designed for go-getters just like you. Join us for three action-packed days where you'll learn essential steps to build the business freedom, master the art of personal branding, and discover powerful marketing strategies. We've got inspiring speakers, engaging panel discussion, and mind-blowing keynotes lined up like Jared Morgan, who did a $500 million exit just a few years ago. But it's not just about learning. It's about forming genuine connections with like-minded individuals who share your passion for success. Network, exchange ideas, and grow together. The Badass Business Summit is happening on September 20th through the 23rd. Don't miss out on your opportunity to supercharge your business. Head over to our website at badassbusinesssummit.com and secure your spot today. I can't wait to see you there, my friends. Let's level up your business and make a mark on the entrepreneur world. Have a better life. Phone Jack. Jack Murphy, Motion 3 Technology, and then other stuff I'm not supposed to say because you don't care. <laughs> Thank you for following the rules. Yeah. Uh, so the question is, when you're narrowing down your scope or your niche, how did you go from that sort of infinity place of like, I want to serve everyone to finding a focal point? Was it a technical process? Was it an emotional process? Like, these are the industries I like to work with. Yeah, so for, for me, I would say it was an emotional process followed by a revenue chain. So I'm a firm believer of chasing the revenue. And if dollars are coming in from it, that's an indicator, that's a direction you need to go. But I also have a big process of, man, I just got to like people. I want to go have a beer with them. And if I can't have it, and I don't drink beer, but if I, so I drink a lot of rum though, right? Um, I want to go have a glass of rum with them. And if I wouldn't sit down and have a glass of rum with them, it's not somebody I want to do business with, right? Because especially if you sell a service and you're going to spend a lot of time with those clients. So I would tell you to one, look at it from an emotional standpoint. Who do you really want to go get a glass of rum with? Two, I would tell you to chase the revenue. Where is the money currently coming in your business? And look and see if that can be a vertical you can go after and then go all in. I mean, if you think about it, if you say I'm a consultant for mid-market manufacturing companies that specialize in X, Y, and Z, you become highly referable anytime that type of industry pops up because you're the only person in the marketplace that's speaking directly to that discipline. Does that make sense? So you also need to narrow it down based on who you can have amazing results for. All right, so when I started the uh, sales consulting piece, all my sales experience was in the tech industry. I sold uh, enterprise level data and landline. I sold Nextel to uh, corporations, uh, managed services, uh, software, all that type of stuff. So I knew how to sell tech. So I knew I could go into a tech company that was in a growth phase and actually help them figure out how to do sales better. I had no idea how I, how I would go into a financial business and help them do sales better because I'd never sold finance stuff. I couldn't go into manufacturing because I didn't know how manufacturing businesses worked. So find that industry that you can go in and do stuff for and you're gonna knock it out of the park. I knew I could go into all my clients and we had amazing success and they always said more really cool things about me which then fed into my marketing and they got me into other people they knew because they hung out with other tech CEOs. Then eventually I got to the point, it's like, oh, all right, cool, now I'm gonna figure out this other industry and see how I transition everything I learned doing it for the tech into finance. 
or now into uh, working with coaches and consultants. When I started working with Donnie, I didn't work with coaches and consultants. And then I figured it out work doing stuff for him. I'm like, all right, well, I, now I know how to we do We broke this. a lot of shit along yeah, we, the way. We broke a lot of stuff. Um, but now I work with a ton of the coaches and consultants. I now have coaches that I work with that are doing a million dollars in coaching a year. I never would have been able to go in and do stuff for them if I hadn't figured out what I was doing with the one industry and then came in and figured it out with Donnie. So pick the industry that you can go have amazing results in and talk about it. And then, then you can expand. You know, because we can even say with, I'll come right to you, brother. Um, with the, the networking groups, it was, it was the same way. We picked one type of vertical. We were going after strictly, you know, starting out service-based business owners um, that were small business owners. And speaking that language, it, it made it so much easier to target the right people to be a part of the group. And that we can attribute to a lot of the fantastic growth we've had over the years. Come on, brother. All right, good morning. Jason Demack, VP of Business Development for Continental Roof Company. So you just talked about breaking a lot of stuff. So we've seen recently when a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation makes a bad marketing decision and the after effects of that. So we have a room full of solopreneurs and some that work for larger corporations. So when you get that negative press or let's say that bad Google review, bad Facebook review because you have competitors that are haters, what would be your advice on trying to turn that around and how to figure out how to face that. Well, first, don't worry about it. Um, here's, here's the thing. Uh, unless you are a multinational conglomerate that makes a big error, um, then you got to do it. If you're a small business owner, solopreneur, nobody's looking for you anyways, right? Nobody's Googling you. Nobody's, you know, trying to find you. Everything's going to come through word of mouth, conversations, introductions, cold outreach, and that type of thing. If they're going to their your website to figure out if you're worth working with, they're likely going to be a pain in the ass because they have to do all this additional research and crap to validate if you're worth working with. Most There's time, nothing wrong with people that do that. <laughs> There's everything wrong. Um, right? Um, so the way to think about it is we just had a client that this happened to and she got a ton of negative Google uh, reviews from an ex-client uh, or ex-employee that's trying to burn her and burn her bad. So what she did is she just went to her network and said, guys, I need a favor. Will you leave me reviews? And SEN stepped up and she got like 25 five-star reviews, glowing praises out there. So we just carpet bombed the negative reviews and it worked really, really well. So if you're in an industry that where people actually look at reviews, where they're Googling the company and they want to see what people are saying about you and you get a bad review and it's an unwarranted bad review. Now, if you actually like did crappy work, you got to own it. All right. But if someone's just trying to be an asshat and is leaving really poor reviews because they're a troll, then what you need to do, you actually need to respond to it. And you need to document all the stuff that you did to help make them better. Dates, times, all the things, what you said, conversations, and reply. Because I, when I look at reviews for stuff that in more in the consumer world, I will look at the bad reviews because I want to see how the company handled it and how they reply. And if they have a really good reply that's like, yeah, we did all these things, I'm like, all right, that all sounds reasonable. And now the review doesn't matter to me. If someone leaves you a bad review, but then you escalate, now I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, don't think I want to do business with this person. All right? So don't ignore it. And, as long, and if you screwed up, own up to it and say, yeah, we totally screwed that up. We're so sorry. Please email us. We will fix, help you fix it. You know, sometimes you didn't even know there was an issue. And someone just like, oh, I'm going to put it on Google. Reach out and fix it. And then ask them to do it again, and, you know, to update their review. It's like, yeah, so they totally fixed it. They did all these things and we're, everything's good. All right. So we did at the beginning of SCN, we had this amazing idea that, all of our members should be business owners. 
So and we put that out in the world. We had came up with the idea. 24 hours later, we published it to our network. Uh, 24 hours later, we had to retract it. Wah, wah. Now, it was not as good of an idea as we thought, but we owned up to it. We had to say, yep, we're sorry. We thought this would be a really great idea. You all came back with really awesome reasons why it wasn't, so we're fixing it, and that's now not a rule anymore. You know, carry on as everything happened. But that's our your role as a business owner is you need to be able to do that. you got to fall on your sword if you're the one who screwed up because that's going to carry more weight with your audience than if you try to defend yourself and make it sound like you didn't screw up. Yeah, and... I'll tell you, the, the more you can just do that, fall on your sword for everything and take complete ownership of your business as a whole, it's an absolute game changer. You know, nobody tells you that running a business, you're going to meet yourself along the way. I mean, uh, for me, you know, almost losing my farm in the process of building a, uh, the businesses, you don't realize how much of your journey were filled with excuses. You know, as an employee for others, it gets really easy to make excuses, and they're legitimate excuses. Like, if your sales are down, you can say, well, the marketing's not good, the economy sucks, you know, we're not getting enough leads in. They're all legitimate excuses. As a business owner, if the sales are down, go sell more. If the sales are down, go market more. If the leads suck, go get more leads. You don't get to pass the buck. You have to take complete ownership of it. And the more you do that as a whole, you're going to be blown away by how much more quickly you actually meet the dude in the mirror. And I'm telling you, the, the more you get to know that person that's staring back at you, the more you're going to be escalating your business at a lot rapid pace. So, to the back. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Jen Beck with Complete Health Revolution. And Donnie, having a vision for your business that you're excited about and you can get behind and pulls you through the tough times is really critical. Talk to us about the vision that started SCN and how that's changed over the years. That's a beautiful question. So Kevin and I never wanted to launch networking groups at all. You know, prior to launching uh, our companies, we were both heavily involved in networking organizations. I ran 11 networking groups for the Fort Worth Chamber of Commerce, had six of my own groups going. Kevin had, how many chapters? Uh, I had 53 chapters in uh, North Metro Minneapolis with over 1,500 members. Right. And a staff of 21 people. So... By the time we launched our own businesses, we were just burnt out on networking as a whole. When the pandemic hit, we always jokingly say we felt like Liam Neeson. All these people were moving to businesses to online and nobody knew how to do anything online. So we were like, okay, we know how to network. We know there's a massive issue in the marketplace. Let's just fix everything that people hate about networking. And that became our original vision. You know, people have grown up on this really crappy style of networking where you sit in a room and you do these stupid-ass 60-second commercials for 45 minutes. Some idiot gets up and does a dumb 10-minute pre presentation that nobody gives a shit about. And then you go about your days, you get a whole bunch of broke people sitting around just trying to pitch each other. Right? We've all seen that type of networking. So we're like, screw that. We're jumping in the game and we're going to fix it. We're going to bring a pure mastermind style together. And we're going to disrupt the industry. And that's what we have. To fast forward, we started off this to fix the world. Now we're on a mission that we're going to help as many business owners as we possibly can get to freedom through building a business. Why? Because nobody fucking did it for us. Right? As we were going, nobody was out there saying, nobody was sharing their screw-up stories. Nobody was saying, this is what you should do. Go try this. This is your next step, your next move. So... I'm curious in the room, um, if you're in SEN and SEN's impacted your business, just raise your hand, right? So when you get a vision that is so dialed in and you know exactly what you're going to accomplish, one, fix the world, how, change how the world networks, two, get as many people to business freedom as possible, people will lean into that vision. But that vision, man, you've got to feel it. And when you tell it to others, they have got to feel it and they've got to lean into it. 
I don't think I have anything to add for that. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you, I, in, in all seriousness, man, uh, figuring that portion of the business out was probably the strongest thing that we did because that vision gives you a name. It gives you a target to head for. And I'm telling you, you know you got it right that when you say it, other people instantly are like, man, I want to be a part of that. Not only do I want to be a part of that, I want to help you accomplish that. How can I help? Right? And people really lean into that process. You know, is there any other questions out there? Come on. Ryan Kasner, Panoptica Financial. I uh, really appreciate your perspective on just go break some shit. Get things going, see what's happening. If it's a quote unquote failure, learn from it, get better and move on. But how do you make really difficult decisions that have a pretty significant impact on humans? Because I'm not worried about breaking some shit, but if it's impacting another human, it, I'm a little more concerned with it. Yeah, it's a phenomenal question, brother. Um, I can tell you big decisions sit on it for 24 hours. And because what I find is most decisions are often based on emotions. And when you make a decision that's emotional, especially a big decision, you're going to make the wrong decision. So sit on that decision for 24 hours. See if the level of the choice in the decision remains the same, then likely it's the right decision. You know, um, if it's in a negative context, if it's a choice in the direction to take the, uh, the company, like you're going to make a massive purchase or you're going to bring on a massive amount of staff, something like that, then you got to ask yourself, what's worst case scenario? Can I recoup? Can I recover from that choice? And look, it's not all sunshines and rainbows running a company. Sometimes you just got to make a tough call right? Um, staff are the most beautiful and wonderful thing in the world. They're also your biggest panty ass. So one of the things I'm, uh, in addition to running uh, like four companies right now, I'm also in the National Guard. I'm, uh, I'm an officer. I do operational planning for a combat brigade. So we had to learn how to make decisions that had a huge impact on people's lives because we were going to order people into combat. So it was really easy, especially for young lieutenants who are just getting into that planning uh, type situation to overanalyze and overthink and try and have the exact right answer for the mission before they send anyone out because they don't want people to die. They don't want to be the cause of that. And it's, you know, I'm glad that they feel that way. But here's the thing. We teach our lieutenants that an 80% plan now is better than a 100% plan too late. And as soon as you hit first contact with the enemy, your plans are out the window anyway. So we learn branches and sequels. So we understand like, so if I make this choice, here are the, what are the choices I'm gonna have to make next? If I do this, what are the things I need to do next after that happens? If the enemy makes a decision, because they get a vote, what do I have to do? So we started thinking in almost, you know, remember those books, uh, Choose Your Own Adventure? You get to the bottom of the page. Would you like to attack the bear with a sword? Or B, would you like to run away? Attack. Yeah, I, obviously. Um, <laughs> but that's exactly what, how you have to think about it. All right, so if I run away, now what's going to happen? If I attack it with a sword, what are, what are my choices going to be? So as you're making those really big decisions, you have to be thinking about those outcomes so that you can think about, all right, so what are my next steps? If this happens, what do I need to do? All right. When we talk about breaking shit, it's usually more operational things where we want to do something. We want to take action as opposed to trying to have the perfect way to launch a group. You know, we launched our first group in a week. We could have spent months doing research and planning and developing stuff. Now, we, Donnie literally called up people he knew in Fort Worth and said, hey, I'm doing this thing. I want you to start a chapter for me, uh, and you're going to be president, and then we're going to fill it. And we started breaking stuff. So there's a little bit of a difference between going and breaking stuff and making big life-altering choices, but the concept is still the same. So I just want to take two seconds because I know a cool question's coming. Isn't this a cool venue? Yeah. Dude, I walked in here and was freaking blown away. 
So uh, we're at the NKU Digitorium, and man, I look good blown up big. I don't know why I'm yelling, but, but I look good up here. So, and speaking of NKU, want to ask a question? Oh, is there, is there somebody else? Oh, come on. Hello, um, I'm Roxanne Adams. My business is Taste of Bougie. Um, I'm three years in in entrepreneurship. Um, I made a big, huge leap from nursing to food artist, um, which are obviously two totally different things. Um, I've had a lot of great success. And with the success, um, my business is growing fast. Um, I've gone from just a one-woman show to maybe three to four um, employees now. Well done. Thank you. Um, but my business model is constantly changing, and it's driving me insane. Um, I have coaches, I've had mentors, and I have a lot of programs in Cincinnati that support me. Uh, but I'm not even in a commercial space just yet. I'm looking for one, but when looking for one, you have to have your model and all the things. And I started out with this idea um, to change the world with food artistry. And um, I just need to know, when do you narrow down what model that is good for you? Um, I've had success in doing all things from, you know, like small parties to large parties to fundraisers to all these events. Got it, and got popularity. it, got it. It's crazy. Gotcha. So the biggest thing that I would tell you is pick one. Pick one of those things and take it to a half a million dollars. And the reason I say half a million dollars is because the knowledge you're going to get taken, whether it's small parties, whether it's big catering, whether it's parties, pick one of those and take it to a half a million dollars. In doing that, everything you're going to learn is going to allow you to turn around and apply it to all those other things you're doing. So, so go learn the knowledge in that one business. Take that thing big, half a million, million, and it's not about making the money and the revenue. It's 100% learning the how to build a business. And you do it with that one, you're going to be able to do it with all the other ones just as fine, just as easy, and you're going to know which one's the right ones to do based on the knowledge you learn chasing that one. Cool. Um, so before you leave here today, you need to introduce yourself to Dom. Dom, wave your hand. She is a vegan chef from El Paso on a road tour right now. So I think you two could have some really cool conversations. Um, so I definitely want to do that. But you need to, the, the cool thing about picking that one thing is now that is your focus. Donnie and I both have, uh, uh, we, we have squirrel syndrome. It's ADOS, attention deficit. Oh, look, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that literally, that was when we started out, that's what we were doing. He would call me and say, all right, so I had this idea. Oh, cool, we can totally build that. And we'd go do it. And there were, then like, the next day I'd call him. I was like, hey, so I was thinking we should do this. Oh, so then we'd go do that. So we had all this stuff going on as we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do with the company and how, you know, what was going to stick. All right. Once we got to the networking, you're like, oh, this, I think we found the thing. And then we completely focused in on that. And that is our main focus now what we're working with. And it allows you then to really, gives you a reason to say no to things. So if you're focused on, on small parties and you get an opportunity to say, ooh, we want you to do the Met Gala. You could say, well, that would be awesome thinking about thinking for me or thinking about me for this, but it's, you know, it's, I'm not a good person for that. And you feel okay. You don't now feel like bad that you turned away business. All right. We got time, I think, for one more. Yep. Two more, two more. Okay. Um, Dawn Parks, Biz Access Hub. So the question I have a lot of clients I work with find um, that their clients, have scope creep. You know, you agree to do certain things and then all of a sudden someone starts to ask for just a little bit more or just a little bit more. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to manage that because you don't want to lose your clients, but you also, 
you start to think about, do they have enough money to pay for more services, right? There's all these conversations in your head. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. So the greatest word in the English language, probably any language, is the word no. Okay? So here's the thing. Your clients are not your boss. Your clients are not your boss. If your clients are taking advantage of you, it's because you're allowing them to do that. You need to set parameters early in the conversation. If you're way down the rabbit hole and you're doing twice the work that you originally agreed to, you need to go have an adult conversation. Right? There's a, a gal in the network that every time we're coaching her through some of her business stuff, she's like, God, that sounds so adult. <laughs> and but, but part of being a business owner is actually acting like an adult. And in business, it's two adults having a damn adult conversation. So you've got to go have some real conversations. Boundaries, guys. I tell everybody, you know, on my farm, I got a driveway that I walk every morning. If I go too far to the right, it's a 40-foot drop-off down to my creek, right? To the left is a freaking barbed wire fence to keep my goats in the yard. So I can't go too far left. I can't go too far right. When you're dealing with your clients, you got to have those parameters. If you're scared to have a conversation with that client because you're afraid they're going to leave you or anything else, you probably need to think about getting rid of them anyways because I promise you they're taking up more of your time than the panniassery is worth, and you should go find two or three clients to replace their ass and just fire them in general. Yeah, it's really just being open and honest with your clients and saying, that's a really awesome idea. We can totally do that for you. Here's what it'll cost. And then have that conversation. You know, it's if you set the precedent of saying yes and not not billing them, they're just going to assume that's, that you're going to keep doing it. So you need to start that out right away. So you have to be really clear. Uh, I do digital marketing, sales and marketing automation. When I bring on a new client, it's really clear. Uh, here's what we're doing. Here's what the project entails. Here's how long we're going to be doing this. Here's our timelines and, and processes. Uh, and if we get outside of that, now I can reference back to that and say, all right, so here's what we agreed on. Remember? Remember this thing? I drew it out for you. Crayons for him. The um, Former Marine. <laughs> The, and then I could say, you know, this doesn't fall in there. We totally can do it, but it's going to be extra. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, you're exactly right. No, we don't really need that right now. We're like, how much would it be? Because I think we really want that. Like, yeah, it'll be this much. All right, cool, let's do it. So you have the opportunity to get more revenue by those conversations, as long as it's something that's kind of actually in your purview to do anyway. Yeah, be brave. Be brave. Oh, give it up for the DJ. Check, check. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Terrace Troy Horton, founder of Country Boy Entertainment. Um, you're talking in the digital marketing space. Um, artificial intelligence is coming, and Chat CPT is I'm on addicted. here. And I am I'll so make, Me too. Yeah. Um, and I had a hard time getting it because I knew that how easy it would be. How do you articulate to your clients that you're working with that Chat PT is coming fast? And if they don't accept it, how fast you're going to be able to triple their work and how do you feel in the pace of space of charging them when they don't want to embrace the new technology? That makes sense. Ooh, so that's an interesting question. So, I mean, as far as the business side of things and looking at things like AI and the likes, we are using it more for written content checks, ideas, and the likes. I mean, uh, I've gone to ChatGPT because I wrote an email really pissed off. So I took that email, put it in ChatGPT, and literally wrote, please make me sound less douchey. And ChatGPT came back and says, you're not a Jew douche. Let me fix this for you. Right? And that was a response. It was really nice. ChatGPT is really nice. <laughs> right? So, so here's the thing. If the client you're working with won't do business the, with you the way you do business, then don't do business with them. Right, because you're going to become a slave to them, and if if it's out of your scope of work, you got to learn to say no. Because what gets us in trouble often is we say yes too much 
to things we should have said no to in the first damn place. Anybody ever done that? Right? So, so I mean, here's the thing is you, and it goes back to what we were talking about go set your freaking boundaries, know what your limits are, and then stick to them. And I know that's hard because if you're year one in business, it's okay to be that business whore that first year and say yes to a lot of things because you need the freaking revenue. We get it, right? Get the revenue in, get to a place where you're stabilized income, then really get niched down from there where you can go after that and really start getting. And the, the tougher you are up front, professionally, in a very nice manner, talking to people, the tougher you are up front about how things will work, the better your client relationships are going to actually be because they have an understanding of the outcome. So as a digital marketer, I get asked the question all the time about uh, AI and how we use it. And for us, we're, I'm really upfront with my clients if they ask me. I tell them, yeah, I totally use it. It is a tool that I use to do ideation. You know, give me ideas for topics. Give me a uh, write uh, email string for this. Uh, I never actually use any of that content because the content usually really sucks. Right? It doesn't match the voice of my client, but it gives me ideas that I can then steal from and then tweak and make better. It sped up my ability to write because I overanalyze as a uh, integrator. So I overanalyze my writing. It, take, it used to take me like a day to do a blog article. So I use it for that type of stuff. Uh, and then to take things, once we've written it, then we use it to take it to break it down into smaller pieces. So I'm up front with them. I let them know, hey, here's what we do. Here's how it integrates into our process. Are we going to publish any, are we using it just to actually write your content? No. We're still doing that. Our, my copywriters are still doing it. But it is a tool that allows us to generate a better product for you. Any other questions? Cool. So, oh. You got one? Come on. So, I'll wait for the mic because we've got to pick it up on the audio. Introduce yourself, too. Uh, my name is Ron Chambers. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of the Chambers Group. Cool. My question to you is, if I can articulate this. Oh, this should be fun. What made you two guys come together to work a business together? So, really funny story. Um, early on in the business, I was a little over a year in building my business and like a moron, I was doing my own email automations and likes and I was using a program called MailChimp. Anybody heard of it? Well, of course, I broke it and screwed it all up and everything was off the rails. I did a really dumb thing. I go to a Facebook group and I said, hey, my MailChimp broke. Anybody know how to fix it? Let me tell you, there was about a billion messages of, I'm a MailChimp expert. I specialize in MailChimp. I can do that for you, blah, blah, blah. Then there's this one comment that is 500 paragraphs long, completely outlining in detail, step by step, all the things I could do. And I said, that's my guy. I sent him a DM and said, hey, can we grab a Zoom? Grabbed the Zoom, jumped on. He walked me through how to fix everything, and we fixed it. And then we went our separate ways. Six months later, MailChimp broke again because my dumbass was doing MailChimp still. I called Kevin up and said, dude, get your ass in here and fix it. So I hired him for email marketing. And that's all I hired him for. When you hire the right person, the thing that you're going to listen for to know the right person, they're going to constantly start saying, I can do that for you. And every day, Kevin was like, hey, you know I can do that for you. You know I can do that. You know I can do that. You know I can do that. And that's how he worked my, his way up into a business of partner and partial owner of all this. It's because he constantly kept leaning into things. So, you know, you've got to find people that are into what you do. And they've got to be just as passionate about what you're doing. And look, if you're going to partner up with anybody in business, it's damn near like a freaking marriage. Right. So if you guys can't have open and honest conversations, we tell each other to fuck off all the time. Right. And, you know, we have had a lot of tough conversations over the years. But if there's anything that ever gets brought up in a partnership type thing and you can't talk about it, dude, it's like a marriage. If you can't freaking talk to your spouse, then that marriage isn't going to work either. I hope that helps. 
when I tell the story, I just tell everyone that Donnie swiped right. <laughs> so my story's funnier. Um, but no, it was literally, you know, we, I, I started doing, the first thing we built for him was just this little email automation for a Facebook group to send out an onboarding sequence. And then it, we started uh, continually bouncing ideas off of each other. My, my really super. I think we had like six companies going at one point, yeah, different freaking brainstorm ideas. And, but it was literally, um, he was my smallest client. But we were, I was talking to him the most because we were continually coming up with ideas and say, hey, what do we do this? And we be just it became a natural partnership because I'm not him and he's not me. Thank God. Yeah. They don't, no one needs two Donnies in their world. But I agree with that. <laughs> but because so, I'm an integrator and I'm an analytical, I'm a high C, I'm detailed. No. Donnie's not. <laughs> no. Really? <laughs> So we filled the, the voids in each of our businesses because he was able to do the high D stuff and I was able to do all the other stuff. So he's visionary. I'm an integrator and it worked out really well. And we, he didn't start out looking for an integrator. He just ended up with one. Yeah. And I, I would tell you, based on that kind of idea, your first hire in your business is most likely somebody who can do your automations. And handle that back end stuff because that's where a lot of heavy lifting comes in in your business, especially when you're talking about communication out front, communication flow of your clientele. If you're doing that and your business is not based in like automation type stuff, hire somebody, bring them in from the outside because you're going to spend 10 million hours doing stupid shit like working on MailChimp when your ass should be out selling your stuff. So I think we're going to wrap it up from there. So uh, guys, if you got any tips, tricks, values out of this, we freaking love the fact that everybody who's watching, you know, the YouTubes, listening to us on the podcast, man, the biggest thing you guys can do for us is go leave us a review on Apple or Spotify to make sure you subscribe to YouTube, uh, Growth Mode on YouTube, and ring the bell. Um, we have new episodes come out every Thursday, 9 a.m. Central. We're interviewing some of the biggest names in the world, and we just love doing it. Every episode is around the idea of the experts we bring on, Teach Kevin and I. They are literally teaching us their specialties. So we got a cool episode coming up where we're talking to uh, Jared Morgan um, and his $500 million exit. Um, in his business. It was a fascinating episode talking about how do you really scale and go that freaking big. So some phenomenal episodes coming up. So thank you guys as always to NKU, Digitorium, and the campus and everything, the staff. Thank you for having us out of here. Otherwise, love you, mean it. See you, bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.